we live in a very broken world. I don't have to convince you of that. I don't have to spend any time showing statistics or news clippings. You know this. What, what you may not feel or be aware of is that, is that God has called us to step in and be a part of the answer. Jesus can heal what's been broken in our world. He does heal it. The thing about it is he wants to apply that healing through us. He has called us to actually, to actually be his hands and his heart and his love in this world. And that's a, that's a pretty overwhelming, daunting thought. But it's one that we need to own and understand that we don't do it. He does it, but we get to help. It is His strength, it is His grace, it is His love. But here's the thing, if we go about trying to bring about change in our world without His grace and His love and His power, we're going to mess it up, we're going to make things worse. See, what we can't do is we can't take this, this this, this evil offer that the enemy has made. I've wanted to preach on this, we haven't had time, but I just want to encourage you to go back and, and, and study the, the temptations of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. And in particular, I want you to pay attention to the last temptation. In that temptation, the enemy came to Jesus and said, Look, I know this world has all kinds of problems. Here's the deal. I'll give it to you and you can fix it, but you have to worship me. See, what the enemy was doing there, he was saying, Jesus, look, there are issues. There's, there's problems. There's, there's pain. Look, I'll give you the world. You can do whatever you want to with it, but you got to worship me. Think about what a terrible offer that is. Basically saying, look, we can fix the issues, but the people, I still get their soul. And what that basically means is all that, all that there would have been had Jesus not turned that away. All there would have been is condemned to order. Jesus is calling us more, to do more than just fix issues. Now listen, we've got issues. And there really is a way to solve what's going on with racism. There really is a way to solve all this hate. There really is a way to, to, to deal with the unborn and caring for the elderly and, and providing for the need. It's, it's, it's there. But you know what? We can't program it. We can't control it. The only hope that this world has is the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. And what I tried to say last week was this. We, we've got to focus on, on that, on Jesus and his love and his power and his grace. And we can't get lost in our preferences and arguing amongst ourselves about what we prefer and what we like. We've got to bear with one another and then focus on Christ and follow him and his way. And as we do that, something, something significant will happen. We will be able to go into the world and help with all this hurt. See, if we can't bring harmony here, we sure can't bring it there. So, so we have to center ourselves on the Savior. We have to find strength in His grace amongst us and our relationships with Him. And then we'll be ready to go out and do what only God can do and bring, bring the peace that He can bring. And that, that happens only through grace. And so we are full of grace and we are exemplifying that grace. We're not going to be of any help to anyone. A really cool thing happened to me this week. On Tuesday, 
I got contacted by a friend. What's interesting is three weeks ago, just three weeks before that, I was I was thinking about Scott. I, I told my wife, I wonder where he is in the world. I wonder what's going on with him. Out of nowhere, he direct messages me on on Twitter. It's a man that I helped lead to the Lord 25 years ago and baptized. I was wondering where was he, and he messaged me, and I said, "Man, are you still walking with Jesus?" He's like, "You better believe I am," and it was so. And I was thinking about his salvation experience. See, it wasn't just me. He had a roommate that he actually went to high school with. His name was Danny. And Danny exemplified grace. He never he never really preached to him. He just exemplified it. He shared it. And so as, as I got to know these two guys, I started, you know me, I started to preach the grace, right? And so Danny's exemplifying it. I'm trying, but I'm preaching it. I'll never forget when Danny got saved. And it's so exciting to think about what happened. And, and Danny continued to walk with him. And, 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 and Danny is still walking with the Lord because there was not just a message, as important as that is, there was also the exemplification. There was a living out of the grace. And so there was not just information, there was also proof. And there wasn't just proof, but there, but there was also truth. And the two of those together brought about what only God could do, which is bring transformation. Friends, God is calling us not to yell at people, but to love them. Not to argue over issues, but to transcend them and point folks to the one who can bring healing. And that's what we're talking about in this series. We're talking about, we're talking about sharing is better together. What we're talking about is bringing healing to the world. We're talking about something really big, something that needs to happen in some marriages right here, right now, something that needs to happen in your workplace, in your school, where you hang out with your children, with your parents. We're talking about something supernatural here. We need God to do it, and we can be a part of it, but how? That's what we're going to see in our text today, is how it is we, we, we exemplify the grace that is needed in our world today. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and turn with me to Romans chapter 15. We ended here last Sunday. Uh, we didn't have time to, to dig into this, and so today we're going to dig into where uh, this text and, and really finish what we started last week. And, and so, uh, Sydney Coffee's going to read for us. Hey, Sydney, come on. Let's all stand together in honor of God's word as Sydney comes up. Again, let me tell you where we are. We're in Romans chapter 15, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 7 and pick off pick up where we left off last week. So, Cindy, if you would, read verses 1 through 7 for us. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not believe, did not please himself. But, in that, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who approached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through encouragement, of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you, for the glory of God. The word of God. Thanks be to God, and thank you, Cindy. If you would, please be seated. Let's start in the end and then work back to the beginning. Uh, go with me to verse 7. The Word of God, very, very plainly, says, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. We talked about last week, one of the things that really gets in the way of that happening are our preferences. 
we get so caught up in what we think and what we want things to be like that we forget what, what is ultimately important, which is Christ Jesus and His atoning work. And that the real power is not, in, is not found in people thinking like us and feeling like us and voting like us and, and, and doing like us, but rather in knowing Christ crucified and resurrected and the grace and the power that He brings to a life brings transformation. So as we have been welcomed into Christ, we welcome one another. And as we, as we feel that grace from one another, that graceful experience begins to pour out into the lives of other people. And that's where we come in. It's once the grace is, is once we are graceful, we can now express that out into the culture that is so hurting and so broken. Guys, I just want to tell you, every day you're, you're, you're driving around, you're working around people that are thinking about ending their marriage, ending their life. They're, they're thinking about just running. They're desperate. They're hurting. They're mad. They, they don't know. They don't know where to go. They're so broken. And, and God wants us, He's calling us to help, to take our hope and help. But He's called us to do it in a very, I use the word dangerous, but it's not dangerous in that we're with Christ. And so the only, the only, you know, danger is ever, you know, getting out of God's hands, getting out of God's will. But when you're in the hands of God, it's a pretty scary place because have you ever noticed God's not scared of anything? And so he'll, he'll just walk you right into the middle of something. But you got to see what God does. He really does walk right in the middle of it. You know, I, I get kind of concerned and one of the things that, that we see, and I'm not saying get off social media. So many people say, I'm getting off social media. That's not the point. It's how you interact with other people. See, there's this real danger right now that people, when they don't see other people, they get on Facebook, man, I hate you, I hope you die. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> you know, you don't think that way, but you claim to be a Christian, and then you talk ugly to people. It's what you're doing. I mean, it's crazy, but that's what happens. Email, all this stuff, it seems so distant. You know, I, you know, I see it. You know, some of you young guys, man, I'm going to tell you, sooner or later, you're going to have to talk to her. All right, because you know, I know some of you is like, girl, I like you a lot. Sooner or later, you're going to have to walk up to her and say, girl, I like you a lot. It's different when you're texting something than when you're looking into her eyes and saying that, right? Hey, listen, God doesn't want us to send a text message to the world. He doesn't want to send a direct message. He doesn't want a Facebook post. He doesn't want a tweet. He doesn't want an Instagram picture. He actually wants us to do what he did, which is to get right up in the middle of all that is broken and hurting and bring help. And we can only do that effectively when we have hope. We can only do that effectively when we have this grace and there is this, there is this grace full experience. See, we can do what Jesus did because here's the good news. God did not just send a message. God himself is the message. God came and he entered into our brokenness and he saved us. And he's calling us to do the same. And we can do that because he has welcomed us. Think about what, what the writer in Hebrews said uh, about what Jesus has done. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. One of the things I love about my faith and, and the faith of, of the Orthodox Christian, is that the world is going to rumble. The world is going to blow. There's going to be waves. And, and yet, we're able to be steadfast and stay because our soul is anchored in Christ in heaven. 
think about, I mean, just think about this for just a minute. Some of you are old enough to do this. Think about just 10 years ago, what was then absolutely unacceptable that today is absolutely expected and acceptable. Now think about what it's going to be like 10 years from now if we continue down this trajectory. See, one of the great things about the hope we have in Jesus Christ is that anchor doesn't move. It is held. And it is held by Jesus Christ, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain in heaven where Jesus has gone as forerunner on our behalf. The good news is, is Jesus is there in heaven and we are anchored to him. And because we are anchored to him, the world can be, can be moving and shaking and, and falling apart. And, and then we can stay because we've been welcomed into the heavenlies. You know, it's amazing. This is just a delightful thought to me. It, it really, I just sat down and thought, wow, this is amazing. In heaven, I'm wanted and welcomed there. I want you to think about that for just a minute. Those of you who are believers in Jesus Christ, you are known in heaven. You know, I think some of us really make heaven laugh, don't you? And I think that, that, that there's, there are people there that talk about us, they know us, they, and, and the, 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 the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit, delights that, that we belong to, to Him and that we are welcome there. You know what God is calling us to do is to do for others what He's done for us? A graceful welcome to exemplify His grace and welcome others into what God and God alone can do to bring healing and hope into the world. Well, how do we do that? That's what our text shows us. I want to encourage you to take note as we look at, as, as, as we look at, you know, what is a graceful welcome? What does it require? First of all, write it down. It requires this, that we bear with others in their weakness. I'm sorry, plural, weaknesses. Look in verse 1. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Can I tell you something that exists in every human heart? Every single person, no matter what color we are, no matter what kind of culture we were raised in, no matter what political views we may have, here's what every single person on this planet wants. Happiness and hope. Happiness and hope. Now here's the thing. There's only way to have an eternal, enduring happiness and hope. And that is through Jesus Christ. I ask you this from time to time, and I'm going to keep asking because I pray it kind of connects, and I don't know if it connects, but I want it to connect. I want you to think about this. Fill in the blank here. If I lose blank, I lose all my happiness and hope. If I lose my job, if I lose my health, if I, if I lose my good looks, if I, if I lose my income, if I... See, whatever your faith is in, whatever your hope is in, will determine the level of happiness that you can have. If you're counting on something that you can't keep, you are living in a losing proposition. See, we've got to have something that is eternal. We have to have someone who is happy. Do you know God's happy? In himself, God is completely satisfied and happy. He's not happy with the sin of the world. He's not happy with the brokenness. But in and of himself, Father, Son, and Spirit, there is eternal happiness. And you know what he has shared with us? You know what he has welcomed us into? His eternal happiness and hope. And that can only be found in an eternal, loving God who has revealed himself for his glory. 
And some of you have that happiness, but you're not full. And here's why. Until you express that happiness and hope, there's never a complete fulfillment of it. See, you can have it, and so long as you hold it, sure you have it, but you're not overflowing with it. You're not graceful, because there's got to be a point at which that happiness, it spills out. Uh, C.S. Lewis talks about this, and, and, and he talks about it in terms of praise. He says, I think, we, I, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy, because the praise not merely expresses, but completes the enjoyment. It is, it is it's a point of consummation. Listen, I love Jesus. I love him so much. And I, I love to experience His grace and His goodness, but there's nothing like the fulfilling aspect of singing praise to Jesus with my family. There's something about it that completes the action. Something about talking with another person and allowing His grace to enter into their brokenness, enter into their questions and doubts, and to share the hope and the happiness that Christ alone can give. It makes it full. It, in so many ways, completes it. And until we do this, until it pours out of us, it's never really, it's never really fulfilled. And so we, we have it, and we owe it to God to be able to do this. And, and what we're, in essence, doing is that we are, again, go back to verse 1, we who are strong, we have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. See, there, there are people. They are looking for hope and happiness in what they can own, how they look, what they can control, and what other people think about them. They're looking for hope and happiness in politics, in issues, in fixing things, and making their world comfortable for themselves. And, and the, the fact of the matter is, there's nothing in this world that can satisfy. And so, in their weakness, they're trying to grab whatever they can get, and there's no strength in it because it won't sustain their eternal soul. And those who have accepted this glorious, welcoming grace of God, we have a responsibility to go to those who are failing, who are hurting, and love them. To bear with their weaknesses. They're, they're not often happy. They're often very sad. They sometimes seem very important and powerful. But here's what you got to know. Anyone that does not have the grace of God in their life is not happy and does not have eternal hope. There's always a weakness in it. And we who've been given this gift, we have a responsibility to love them. And, and Piper says this, and I appreciate it. Christ-like love seeks its happiness in the happiness of others, not, not at their expense. We aren't to use people. What are we to do? We are to help other people. And some of you never thought about this. Sharing Jesus is helping other people find happiness. What we're doing when we are sharing together, we share better together, is we're sharing happiness and hope. We're helping people who are broken and hurting and tired and angry and spent to be able to be filled with something that will never leave them, that will always satisfy, that will always guide. Yes, it's going to still be painful. Yes, the world is hard. But God can do miracles. Those who know this truth, we need to fulfill it now to do it. I'm just going to tell you, it takes two things that are so hard to have. Humility and love. Humility and really a certain kind of love. First of all, it requires a humility that is sadly often missing from Christians. See, there, there are so many Christians who want to point their finger and point someone in their chest and tell them what's wrong with them. 
you're doing this wrong, and you're making this happen, and you you need to be more like me. You need to do what I like. You need and there's this whoa, whoa, whoa. There's no humility in that. Here's the message of a Christian. I don't have it all figured out, but what I have gives me hope and happiness. See, that's what Paul was talking about, Philippians 3. Look what he said. He said, I pressed on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know what he's saying right there? I don't have it all figured out yet. I'm still pursuing happiness and hope. I'm still looking for more of what God can do in the world. I don't have it all figured out. I'm still putting this all together. I'm taking the application of the gospel and activating it in my life. And God's not done with me yet. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you th- if, if, if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that you also. That is biblical sarcasm. All right. What he's basically saying is, and if you don't realize you haven't arrived yet, just keep praying. You'll realize it. You're not there yet. Isn't that great? Don't you love when God just gives you a smackdown and you don't even know it? But the way he says, only let us hold true to what we have attained. Paul's saying, it's not that we have nothing. We have Christ and Him crucified, alive in us by the power of the Spirit and His Word that is guiding us. We, we hold to that. But there's still so much more that God wants to do. And what God wants us to do, full of grace, enter into a broken world and say, we don't have it all figured out, but we know the one who does. And what he has provided fills us with hope. And it it gives happiness. And it never dies because he cannot die. Because he is holy and good and he is the Almighty. And he has been gracious to enter in and provide grace that we might believe. Not only does it require humility, it requires a certain kind of love. Look at this love. This is terrifying. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those on the other side of the political aisle. Pray for the racists that hate you. Pray for the people of other religions who would just soon kill you. Pray for that person who keeps bullying you. Pray for those who are at work who keep on lying and robbing you. Pray for those who don't want what is best for you. And love them. Guys, what we're being told to do here is exactly what Jesus did. Jesus humbled himself. Again, back to Philippians chapter 2. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus was willing to go to the most humiliating place to be able to provide what was needed for us to know happiness and hope through Christ. It was only through his, it's only through his humility and his love. When did he love us? What does Romans 5 8 say? But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When did he love us? It's when we were saying, I don't want you in my life. I don't want you to tell me what to do. I don't want you in control. I want to choose to do what I want to do. I don't want anyone to tell me what to do. I, I want to do what I feel like doing. Does that sound like a two or three-year-old you some of you have run into before? It was when we were acting like that, being like that. He loved us. Died for us. It wasn't when we had our act together. It's when we were asking, acting like preschool, you know, just little brats. And the very love that we're called to give 
is a love that says to enemies and those who are angry and broken and, and causing pain in our world, it's the same love of Jesus to enter in and to love. Now, to do that, that requires sacrificial service. So, understand, write it down. A graceful welcome requires that we build into others through sacrificial service. Look at verse 2. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as is written, the reproaches of those who approached you fell on me. Friends, we're to do this in our marriages, in our homes, and in our friendships, and in our schools. And this is hard. Sacrificial service is not easy. We, we, are, we are to go in and to give to people what they're not asking for, and many times, hear me, will not appreciate. And you know what? Might even resent it. I was at a funeral of a friend, and after the funeral, the other friends kept saying the same thing. He kept pushing us away. He kept pushing us away. And one of the guys said, I invited him to live in our house. I gave him a job in my company, and he got mad at me over it. He, he resented me. I couldn't help him. And I know that some of you, you're, you're, you're sitting here right now, and you're thinking of our nation. Some of you are thinking of our friends. Some of you are thinking, you're thinking, they don't want help, and they don't appreciate it. Whenever we try to pray in, in a situation, they tell us to be quiet. Whenever we try to talk about Jesus, they tell us to shut up. Whenever we're trying to do, you know, and, and honor Him, it's like pushing away, pushing away. If we're only going to do it when they applaud, we will never do it. And thank God, he didn't do it only when we were waving palm branches and saying, saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. He came and he served when others were rejecting him. And so here's what you got to know. If you're going to really love your wife, if you're going to love your husband, if you're going to really love your kids and love your parents, if you're going to really love your enemies and the people you don't agree with, sooner or later you're going to have to pray the same prayer that Jesus prayed on the cross. Here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to say this. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. In their weakness, they are pursuing hope and happiness in something that will not satisfy their eternal soul. And so when you talk about something else, they will resent it. They will not appreciate you. And many times, they will resent you. And in that moment, you need to pray. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. They don't know what they don't know. They don't know the Savior. They don't know His grace. They don't know His power. And it's our job to enter into this broken world and full of grace and His truth, love. Love. Not create more arguments. Not create more rage and bitterness. Show and share love. Many times it won't be accepted. Sometimes it will be resented. You know what this takes? It takes mature faith, mature love, and mature hope. See, let me tell you what won't work. If you have a faith that says, well, I go to church, check. Okay, now it's time for me to go into the real world and, and, and deal with reality. I'll go get with God five or ten minutes during the day if I have time. And I'll try to get there on Sunday so I can check my God box. But meanwhile, I just got to get out in the real world and I got to have, you know, this real life. It doesn't work. So you got to have a mature faith that says, Christ is in me, and as I am in the world, I am bringing Christ to bear on this world. See, 
Your job is not your job. Your job is your mission field. You may be a stay-at-home mom. You may be selling insurance. You may do be a teacher. Whatever it is you do, your job as a mature believer, as someone who has a mature, is to bring to bear your happiness and your hope into that context. That takes mature faith. It takes mature hope. A hope that is not cheap. A hope that is not weak. It's a strong hope. And it's a love that endures. It's the love of God that never gives up. So we, we've got to have this. And, and, and it requires us to have something solid that we can hold to. Uh, this promise we've been given. Write it down. A, a graceful welcome requires that we hope for others because of the gospel promise. See, some of us, we, all we can do is we can just... All we sometimes can do is just hope for them based on what God has done. Look what it says in verse 4. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. See, we have hope because of the Word of God. We understand reality. We understand God made all things in harmony. We understand why the world is broken. It's because of sin. We understand Christ has come to rescue us and give us the power, uh, the, the liberation, if you will, over the power and punishment of sin. And we know that this world's not our home as it is, that God's going to make all things new. And that's our hope. God has not abandoned us. God still loves us. God's at work in the world. And, and one day, this thing is all going to be transformed and renewed. And that's our hope. And, and that hope lasts. And that hope endures. And that hope saves. And that's a miracle. If you believe this, if you believe this, if you believe in Jesus, and you've been given new life and His happiness and His hope, can I tell you, it's a miracle. You are a miracle. Look, look to the person. If the person near you is say, look over to him right now and say, you are a miracle. Now understand that you, in a worldly sense, just insulted them. Remember the Apostle Paul, he said, he said, thanks be to God, I am the worst of sinners. And God saved me. What a miracle. Some of us in this room are really big. How many of you feel like I'm a really big miracle? Yeah. I remember when I first became a believer in Jesus, there was this youth pastor who was speaking. And he said, guys, he was all fired up. He said, guys, I want you to right now think of someone you know that if they got saved, everybody would be like, there must be a God. And I thought, oh, Lord, please don't have anyone call my name out. Please don't call my name out. But then they called out some of my friends and some of my enemies. A couple of dudes that beat me up when I was a freshman. And I thought, I don't know if I want them to get saved or not. But I thought it best. And so he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray and I want you to share. You know those two jokers got saved. And became dear friends. One of them is heaven now. Can't wait to see Carl. Big lug head. You know, his buddy Jimmy. I mean, they're, they're saved. Because of the miracle of God. Let me ask you. Do you believe in miracles? Do you believe that God has the power to change lives? See, I believe God can change this nation because He changed me. I think He can change the marriages in here that some people think are already done and over. I think God can heal some broken hearts in here that some people say my heart can never be healed. I think God has the power to take someone who is addicted and who has no strength and free them 
and provide for them and guide them. Do you believe in miracles? See, here's what I know if you do, you're going to pray and you're going to pursue that miracle. If you really believe it. See, if you really believe in miracles, what you're going to do is, is you're, going to, you're going to engage God on others' behalf and then you're going to engage others on God's behalf. You're going to engage God on their behalf. You're going to say, God, do this miracle. Do it right here. Do this miracle. And then you're going to engage them and say, hey, as a representative of the person who has given me happiness and hope, I want to tell you what miracle God can do in your life. It's not one or the other. It's both and. See, if you believe in miracles, you'll pray. And if you believe in miracles, you'll share. You'll walk right in the middle of that darkness and bring light. Knowing that you can't bring, you can't heal, you can't, but He can. And so it's a, it's a matter of, of understanding what God wants to do in the world, that He's given us this promise that He will actually say, Scripture says so, our experience says so, and God can do it. Only in as much as we will engage in God's purpose. Write it down. A graceful welcome requires that we engage with others in helping them enjoy God's purpose. Enjoy it. Look at verses 5 and 6 with me. May the God, it's a great prayer. What a great prayer to pray over your family and your life and your friends and your, and, and your home. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, God's goal is not to have people fixed to vote like, think like, and value like us. It's not the goal. So Christians, stop fighting for that. Instead, God's purpose is that there will be happy, hopeful people for all of eternity. How does that happen? Only in God's purpose. What is God's purpose? The Catechism says it well. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. I don't know if you know this or not. God's, God's purpose is not for you to be miserable. God's purpose is for you to actually be happy and hopeful. To glorify Him and to enjoy Him forever. You know why we live on mission? You know why we talk about missions here? You know why it's such a big deal? Here's why. We don't do missions for mission's sake. This is what Piper says. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate. What will fulfill the happiness and hope in your life? Sharing it. You know what worship is? It's expressing your happiness and hope in the one true God. Worship is not just singing. It's also, it's also simply talking and sharing about what God has done in our lives. But it all depends on what you hope in. You're going to talk about what you hope in. What makes you happy. So if all you want to talk about is your sports team, or your looks, or the stuff you want to own, or what other people think of you, or what you think of other people, or your political issue, or your social issue is as important and good as it is, that's your hope. That's what you're going to talk about. Can I tell you, though, there's only one eternal, abiding happiness and hope, and that's Jesus Christ. And if 
we're not full of that grace and we're not pouring that out, we're going to miss it. How do you fill in that blank? If I lost blank, I would lose my happiness and hope. If that answer isn't Jesus, then you don't have eternal happiness and hope. You're in trouble. Some of you today, you need to receive Jesus. Now, here's what I know about some of you, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ. You claim to believe in miracles, but you don't live like it. You don't pray for miracles, and you don't pursue them. You don't invite people to church. You don't, you don't invite them to, to learn more about Jesus. I get it. They might resent you for it. I get it. Jesus gets it. But if you honestly believe, if you honestly believe in miracles, you would pray. And you would pursue the conversation what only God could do. Some of you this morning, you're hurting so bad you can't imagine being of help to anybody else. I want to tell you something. Our God is bigger and He loves you more than you hurt. And if you'll ask Him, He'll strengthen you. He won't fix your problem necessarily. Sometimes God allowed the problem to get you to the point to get you on your knees so that you would get beyond what you're looking for to what He can alone can give. So, it may very well be your problem is God's answer. Look to Jesus. And now here's what I also know. Some of you know some folks that are hurting. Why don't you come and pray that God will make them happy and hopeful eternally? And then ask for the miracle and then go and tell them about the miracle you want to see happen. It takes a lot of faith. It takes a lot of love. It takes a lot of hope. You got it. Pray for it. Let's stand together as we pray. Father, we have just a minute. If, uh, if anyone wants to, Lord, they can come now and pray. They can come get on their knees and say, Lord, I, I want to see a miracle in this person's life. I want to see a miracle in my life. I, I, maybe they would say, hey, I want to see a miracle in our nation. I want, to, I want to see a miracle in my school. You know, maybe, Lord, as I was talking about, who's that one person that, that others would say, there must be a God if this person would be saved. Maybe today they want to come and ask you to do that miracle. Lord, I know there's a lot of hurt folks and, and they need your help and they need hope. And I pray today that they would find it in you and they would come and ask you for it. Lord, I also know that there, there are some needs here that folks are aware of marriages that are falling apart, children that are wayward, friendships that are, that are broken, circumstances and situations where sin is reigning and causing destruction, Lord, we know that you can do what, what, what is miraculous. And so, would you give us the faith today to ask you to do it? Let's sing about what God can do, and, and you come and pray as we do.